Hello. Well, it's a blessing to be able to have this time to spend with you again, and I uh, really appreciate the privilege of being able to do that, and a great thanks to Pastor George for making this possible. Now, last time in our last study, we had discovered that between that recorded in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 1, verse 2, something happened that caused the earth to become without form and void. And we discovered that we can know this to be true just by going to the Word of God and doing what the Scripture always requires us to do, comparing Scripture with Scripture. And we had looked in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18, which says to us, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord, and there is no other. And the verses here from Isaiah um, provide God's own commentary on Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and it states categorically that God did not create the earth in vain. And we'll remember that the word that's translated vain here is the same word that was translated void in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It is the Hebrew word tohu. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we read that God created the heavens and the earth. Then at the beginning of verse 2, we read that the earth was tohu. However, God has said through Isaiah that the earth was not created tohu. So if God did not create the earth tohu and it became that way, then something clearly took place that brought this about. And so, you know, when we look at our translation that we have at the beginning of Genesis, as we go to the start of uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and it reads there that the earth was formless and void, it would be much safer and better for us and more correct if we were to translate that the earth became formless and void, because that's what happened. It became that way. It wasn't created that way. And, you know, if you think about that just for a moment, it would be pretty obvious that this would be the case because God would not create something that would not be in a state of perfection at the moment of its creation. Um, for him to create something that was not completed or not done uh, would really make no sense whatsoever. And of course, this is particularly of importance to us to grasp and to understand because of what then comes in those following verses beginning in the second half of Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, verse number 3, and so on, through those six days of work that we see leading into that seventh day. Because what we're going to realise, and we'll probably come back to this in, in, uh, in future weeks, is that what we see with the earth from verse number 3 onwards in Genesis chapter 1 has to do with a restoration of that which had previously been created, it's not a picture of creation itself. And this is vitally important for us to understand because of everything that follows. I mean, if I can say it this plainly and this simply and this clearly for us, if we get this wrong at this point, then we're going to be wrong in everything that we look at and speak about and put together throughout the rest of scripture. And if we are then seeing things incorrectly, if we're then teaching them incorrectly, then the people that God entrusts to us, who come to us in order for us to rightly divide the truth, 
and give them the truth of the scriptures are going to be misled and taking a direction that they should not go. And this will have very serious ramifications, not only for them, but especially for us if we would do that. So let me encourage you um, right away today as, as a matter of priority, get things straight at the very beginning of scripture. Even in these first two verses, get them straight and understand them. And then everything else can be properly put in its place as it needs to be. Well, what brought about then this earth becoming formless and void as we find there? Well, one thing to remember, of course, that rulership with respect to the earth was never an afterthought. It was the primary thought. And in Ezekiel, we can find a description of this description of this messianic angel that was created to rule. And we can go to Ezekiel 28, beginning verse 12. You were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Well, here we find a description of a beautifully created angelic being whose location was in Eden, the garden of God. An Eden that's somewhat different to the one in which we find Adam, this one being filled with minerals and precious stones. And we can know that we're not dealing with a man here, as verse 13 speaks of the day you were created. And all men, since Adam, of course, have been procreated. They've all had a mother and a father. And he's also described here as the anointed cherub, literally meaning the messianic angel who was created to cover a word that means to fence in and protect. In other words, then, he was created to have charge over, to rule over, to govern under God's authority, this one province in God's universal kingdom that included Eden, the garden of God. We're talking about the heavens and the earth. And it's within the jurisdiction given to him as an action of governance, that we find him going back and forth. Job chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. And two things we want to note here. Firstly, reference to the sons of God. Sons of God are created. Every angel, good or fallen, is a son of God by the very fact of their creation. Adam is a son of God because of creation. The nation of Israel was a son of God and adopted as a firstborn son of God because of the creation in Jacob. And we are sons of God because we are the new 
creation in Christ. Through an act of creation, sons of God are brought into being and sons of God always have to do with rulership. And the second thing to realise here, this going to and fro about the earth that we see Satan doing, this is not just an action that's a throwaway line here. It is a operation of jurisdiction. We might remember when Abraham's been, giving the, been given the land that he is to have as an inheritance, God tells him to go and walk back and forth across its length and breadth, because everywhere the sole of his foot would touch, that would be given to him. Important things for us to see in this. Well, it is here in Ezekiel then that we have found this description of this created angelic being whose location was in the garden of God. So let's, let's continue to read about him going down into verse 16 of Ezekiel 28. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendour. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you and all who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more. And let's please keep in mind that this latter part of what we read here in Ezekiel 28 verses we've just been looking at are prophetic in nature. These are describing what will happen with this anointed cherub, the one we know as Satan, yet future. Not happened yet, prophetically looking to that time. So what we see here then is that the, um, the covering cherub sinned and as a result divine judgment came upon him and those who sided with him, prophetically shown to us, as we just said, in verses 18 and 19. And the creation given to be under his dominion also came into judgment, leaving his sanctuaries, the places that have been consecrated for him to protect, in a defiled or polluted state. They became ruined. They became formless and void because of his actions. And the scripture also reveals to us what it was that Satan did, which brought God's judgment and the ruin of the creation. And we can read about this in Isaiah chapter 14, beginning verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. In essence then, Satan wanted to replace God as the ruler of the universe. He rejected what God had said about his position as the covering cherub and chose to do what seemed right in his own eyes instead. And right here, although it isn't verbalized, is the question that Satan would ask later in a different garden, has God indeed said? Well, we're going to stop there for today. And if the Lord is willing, we'll continue with this next time. God bless you all.